Inequality kills. Inequality does so much harm. We should never be comfortable with accepting that this is okay, you know? You can draw the line and say, I'm out, I'm out, possibly because you have an option to be out, right? For some of, like, for a lot of us, many of us, for black women here, you can never go out. It's still your body, right? You still have to walk in the streets where anything can happen. You have to go home where anything can happen. Do you know what I mean? It actually, by virtue of how you exist in the world, it will just actually never end for you. Welcome to episode four of Are We Our Work? I'm Tiffany Ibrahim. Are We Our Work is a platform for peer exchange that gathers and shares people's career experiences across different professional networks in South Africa. In this episode, I talk with the executive director of Amandla.mobi, Koketsu Moiti, who is also an inaugural Obama Fellow and an Atlantic Fellow for Racial Equity. We delve into issues of status quo, inequality, and privilege. We talk about her vision for a more equal future and how that often starts with addressing injustice in our own backyards. As a black female activist that straddles multiple worlds at once, she opens up about the complexity of building communities united in common value. Koketsu was born and raised in the Northwest province and came to Johannesburg after completing her high school. That's the thing about Mafeking, small town, small society, you kind of feel very stifled. It's very stifling in so many ways. Think about it this way. This, well, at least when I was growing up, now it's changed, you know, because capitalism now has a hold so deep there. But I remember growing up, there was literally one shop right in the whole town. So everybody was going to buy a shop right. So there was no ways you are not going to run into anyone you don't know at a shop right, right? You know, little things like that and work, where the hell are you going to work? The only place you're going to work is in a government department. Like, it was just stifling, even in terms of imagination. Um, I remember, like, growing as I got older, you know, there were certain things you wanted to do and whatnot, which when you were told why you couldn't do them, it wasn't so much you were given a reason, it was more like, but this is just the way it is. And for someone like me, the idea of things just being the way they are and being unmovable was just impossible to live with. And so what did you find? Oh, Joburg. Yeah, Joburg showed me flames. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Joburg showed me flames in that time. What is this relationship we have with cities and places like Joburg where they're like, oh, I need to get out. I hate you. You're killing me. You're destructive. But I know I'm going to come back. Like, what is the commitment to almost the aspects of the city that we really are repulsed by? The community I formed here in Joburg, right, where suddenly you had support networks, you know, where suddenly you were actually seeing a new side of Joe because you were on the receiving end of kindness. So it allowed me to open my eyes a little bit more to see some of the good things that were going on here. Mm. Mm. What is community to you? Everything. (laughs) Everything. Um, Community is a space of growth. It's a space of self-discovery. It's a space of being with others. It's a space of thinking beyond one's own selfish self-interest but more importantly 
I often think about if one is one's values or who one is is imagining a future. You can never build your future by yourself. And how do you how do you negotiate that it is also this very fluid thing that it is quite inconsistent, mm. very contradictory, and at times quite violent. Like yeah. the the pain that we carry is often from the people who are closest to us. Yeah. I think it's been there since I've been growing up, right? I've been very fortunate to see those moments of community, even if the neighbors hate each other's guts. When the neighbor doesn't have sugar and the other one asks, you will either give them or you genuinely don't have sugar, right? Where people have been able to exercise kindness, even in moments where there was strife between them. And it's also not about romanticizing community, mm-hmm. right? Too often we tend to, as you said, you know, a lot of the harm or violence we experience, some of the first-hand violence we experience are from people in our communities. And also over and above that, humans are humans. Humans mm-hmm. are going to be hurtful, mm-hmm. right? Humans are going to... I think for me the key thing is always about what are the shared values that can hold us so that we can hold each other accountable within those values. Healthy boundaries as well, which is something I've learned over... I'm still in the process of learning, still in the pra- in the process of practicing. Or, but accountability is also confrontation, and I wonder how and where we lose people who are just not ready, who are just not ready to go there with you, in the extreme intimacy and discomfort of what confrontation means, and how we frame that as accountability to remain part of the same community. Mm. What have your experiences been in those moments of discomfort, your vision for accountability, a non-readiness, and then moving on from that? Mm. Have, Have you detached from some communities and then joined new ones? Have you stayed in it knowing that you haven't really pushed through a barrier that you should or could or want to? Um, so I think, yeah, I've done all of the above, basically, right? Um, because community is so fluid. I mean, there's relationships that fizzle out by themselves, not because you don't even want to be in that community anymore, but just because of your growth where you are, you know, and where somebody's at is so, so different. If I think about at growing up, so when I was in school, one of the things we used to do, I have no idea why, was we used to like chill in front of shops and smoke. We were like proper <laughs> stoop standards. And in high, I'm just like, why? What was so cool about chilling in front of a shop? Like, I, I really don't understand. But those were some of my best moments, right? But I'm not there anymore. But I do have some people who were part of this who I go back today, I promise you, he is still in front of the shop right now. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yeah, we just find ourselves at a different place and, you know, at different points of growth or at different points of, I'm just a different person. I think we see ourselves, we are dynamic human beings. We tend to think of ourselves as stagnant. The person I am today is the person I will always be. No, that actually just shows you're regressing, right? You aren't moving forward. You aren't learning. You aren't growing. So I think some of it is about that. You identify one of the main struggles that you affiliate with to be the black woman's struggle. Um, And 
I'm wondering what it means to fight something from within and something that you can relate to. You know, I straddle, because of where I come from, who I am, and so many things, I straddle multiple worlds at once, right? And so there's just identifying in particular with the low-income black woman struggle, right? With the black woman struggle, with the queer black woman struggle, you know? There's just so many moving parts of this that aren't separate, but yet can be, you know what I mean? Yeah, so it's it's just the, yeah, the, the kind of like identity one bears, the legacies one carries as well are very, you know, like they're intertwined. So it's a little bit broader than that, I'd say. Part of what I'm curious about is why you chose to then transition that into what you do every day for a living. Yeah. Um, but in addition to that is how you are pushing, and it's very explicitly part of your agenda, you're pushing to address injustice within our own backyards. Part of the thing about, I think, sometimes that we take for granted is that in any toxic relationship within our community or where we say others are creating a toxic environment, what is our own role and complicity in that, right? Which is something we really think of. It's always about the problem is out there out there and not what role have I played to enable this so for me it's not victim blaming it is actually saying that we must see ourselves as part of this community right really think deeply about our roles in it so often you know we talk about systems and individuals as these very separate things my argument would always be that systems don't just fall on us systems don't just happen they are actually individuals who create uphold and benefit from these systems and you know so these two things are very intertwined right so for me values what we bring as individual values and what ends up being our shared values right these two things can't be separate you know, and so I think a lot about that um, because people tend to think that, you know, rushing out to organize that march against corruption, like being in the street and taking out against corruption is what's going to hold them. But actually, we would be there for very different reasons. Somebody would be marching against corruption because they actually think black people shouldn't be governing themselves, right? Very racist notions. Whereas you're there because you're concerned about, you know, the state of governance, that's something, these are conflicting values. So I think for me, when you shape those up, you know, leading to you, they will help hold you, help build your community, and in many ways, help you know when a community should also just not exist anymore. So building a community of common value is one thing. How do we then continue to work with people that have very different values to us? Everybody has values that are non-negotiables. So one value I have that's a non-negotiable is being unapologetically pro-black. I wouldn't mind working with someone who there are certain values that, you know, if they're not different, if they're not the same, that's okay. But there's the non-negotiables that actually I will not work with a racist. Also, if you're fluid on every value, right, then what's the point of having values, right? But in terms of when I think about, you know, I think all all communities will have moments of of um, conflict we are human beings we're not always going to agree and communities aren't homogenous right and we all have moments of confrontation I'm very interested in how we tend to think of conflict and confrontation 
as negative. They tend to have negative perceptions on them. Whereas conflict, as long as any human, as long as there is human interaction, it's actually very normal. I'd be very wary of relationships where there is no conflict that arises, where all you do is agree. Like that also says something about like surrounding yourself in an echo chamber, right? Um, I'm not sure how good that is for growing, for growth, for new perspectives. If we think about our day-to-day lives as human beings, there's typically more than one confrontation in any single given day. So I'm not sure why we tend to like escalate it when, you know, for me it speaks to the need for confrontation to do harm rather than for confrontation to be about like addressing a real issue, um, helping each other move forward, or just potentially where necessary, actually just being like, this is just not working out for me anymore and it's not to say like it's not painful when relationships come to an end right values and actions are principles so if this is the value how do we act if we say we believe in justice what does it mean for how we even engage with each other what does it feel like to from a very public domain try to make an intervention in the private spheres of people's lives You know, Martin Luther King saying about an injustice anywhere is an injustice everywhere. So an injustice in the household has consequences for everybody, right? So for me, it's something that actually we all have a... We all need to be a part of fixing. Do you know what I mean? I think it's just a given, given that kind of like politic that I have. The power structures that exist didn't just fall on us. They happen in the home. They happen if we aren't uprooting them in these different spaces. We're just never going to deal with the problem. How do you practically make space for the strategy that you're taking forward, but at the same time making space for misstep, making space for mistake, making space for you being able to say, last week I said this thing and I actually wasn't right. I would like to change my mind Mm. and I want to express that I'm going back on the thing I said I would do? So I think I've done that a lot. One of the main ways I do that is through my writing. A lot of it is coming from a very personal perspective, what I see in the world around me, whatever, but also just growing in conversations. As I said, I would actually be very concerned about me if the same things I thought 10 years ago are exactly the same things I think right now. Um, Shows that I find it very regressive. But I think the space for mistakes is it's just being honest about them. And this is the thing about comradeship that I was getting at, is that comradeship will let you know if what you are doing is out of reasons, out of particular reasons, is getting out of hand, comrades have been able to sit me down and say, actually, this is not working out this is not a good idea, you shouldn't do this, or if you do this, be careful of that, you know. These are the ways it can, you know, cause troubles, create new tensions, and really thinking through how do we collectively benefit. And the commitment to that journey, what does it mean to really commit to a vision, if we're honest, that is beyond you? Mm -hmm. I think it's um, very difficult because the world incentivizes otherwise, right? So I'm going to flip it, mm. and I'm going to 
pose it to you. You are a recipient of many prestigious yeah. fellowships, awards, scholarships. You're an Obama inaugural fellow. You are an Atlantic fellow for racial equity. It's you as the individual yeah. that holds that position mm. uh, that has been recognized. It's your name on the Obama Foundation website mm. that pops up. How are you then reconciling everything that you're just saying with the very position that you in many ways hold. Mm. So at every step of the way, I think one can show how it has benefited much more than me, whether through the financial resources and beyond. And I think ultimately that is what I'm held accountable to, both by my board, the membership and my colleagues here. But after the announcement was made about being part of the fellowship, I got a couple of emails offering me the most ridiculous ridiculous things, the most ridiculous. Whether it's a position I am unqualified to hold, I have no, because why? It's a way to be seen to be connected to the Obama Foundation. It's a way to, you know, be seen as, you know, we've got this fellowship-bearing person. It's really about being aware of that stuff. So how have you been working with your privilege? I'm not sure if I... I've always been able to, actually no, I haven't always been able to push boundaries in the ways that I think I would have liked to push boundaries. The way I think about change is that very often if you or your organization is trying to make a difference, there's a, there's a tendency to think of yourself or your organization as being at the center of the world. The reality is that you are challenging governments and corporates with so much more resources. You are on the fucking periphery, right? The only way we can move closer to the center is if we are working collectively to build the ecosystem required. Because no single individual, no single organization is ever going to bring the change we need, is ever going to bring justice on its own, entirely on its own. It's ecosystems of us contributing in the ways we can, contributing in ways that challenge us ourselves, contributing in ways that make us uneasy as well, you know, that we can move forward, I think. Working in a context where there's always more to do, and so another way of framing that is what we're doing is never enough, right, for argument's sake, but also knowing that there's so much more beyond our lifespan. Mm. Do you not just get tired? Does that not weigh you down? Does that not demoralize you? How do you continue to motivate yourself to keep going? So if I think of um, a lot of the communities I am a part of and a lot of the people I deeply respect, um, a lot of the struggles being waged right now didn't just happen. Right? This is a continuation of legacies. And I think for me, it's um, always about thinking if there's a certain legacy that brought you thus far, what legacy, how can you stretch that legacy beyond, you know, so that beyond your lifetime, you know, people are moving from a different starting point. I mean, look, there's some days where I'm really, really down. I remember there was a time when I was just like, fuck it. You know, I wish Donald Trump in North Korea could beef and then... Um, one of them drops a nuclear weapon on us. So South Africa, just like we all go in one go because we don't exist, deserve to exist as a country. Like, I do have those days, right? It's just like, shit. How do you feel about apathy? Mm-hmm. 
I struggle with, it's a word that comes up, you know, a lot, you know, um, the apathetic youth, the kind of, often it's very, very misused. Um, the most, my experience and the evidence suggests that the most apathetic people are those who are benefiting from the systems that exist. Right, because it is in the interest that the systems continue to exist. My experience is typically, if I think about um, marginalized people, not just in South Africa, all across the world, you know, your mere survival in systems that do not want you to exist for me is an act of resistance, right? So I don't see any apathy there. You are born somewhere you know because an apartheid or colonial government put you there did this you know like dispossessed your people for generations and here you are trying your damn best to survive trying your damn best to get by trying to help others get by you are um not apathetic at all so my final question is about where does it end how do you come to a point of saying i've made my contribution, I've worked, I've put myself out there, I've learned, and now I'm drawing a line as the end to something that I started or to something that I got involved in. Changing the status quo is not going to happen overnight, right? And we all need to be like looked after, protected, be able to like pull in, pull out and whatever. So I think for me, part of that ecosystem approach and that collective approach is saying it sounds weird to be saying that it's never going to end until the status quo is changed it must continue it sounds like you know like there's an army that's out that's constantly working but the way i think of it that's part of the collective cause to say how are we building a community that enables that nourishes enough for this to continue right Mm -hmm. that feeds you that grows you enough for you to be able to continue Mm -hmm. yeah Now, I suppose my question is something that you started or got involved in. What is the basis of you starting? Because for me, the line, if the quest is for justice, you don't need to be in a particular space to be working towards justice. So for me, that's the question. The quest for justice should always exist without a doubt. If that is the fundamental value that the status quo must go, then that is just a until it goes, that's what you're working towards. <laughs> it was face you in, right? Um, yeah, yeah, that's where I would, yeah. It yeah. doesn't end hmm? until it's over. Until it's over, yeah. Very, very clear. I think, um, yeah, that's, that's how it is. That's <laughs> how it is, yeah. Are We Our Work forms part of a long-term research project that documents career experiences and labor market practices in South Africa. If you would like to participate in the research going forward, visit areweourwork.com to find out how you can share your work-related experiences. This episode was created and produced by me, Tiffany Ibrahim. Sound and editing by Dean Salant. Recording support by Yogan Sullivan. The music is by Vuma Levin and can be found on his album called In Motion. The episode cover was designed and illustrated by Lauren Mulligan. To stay up to date on the podcast and future episodes, follow Are We Our Work on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks for listening.